was thinking a lot about that word today from the gospel, the word gates. Gates are defensive. You think about, I was thinking about the border wall, you know, the reason they're building that is not to keep Americans in America. It's to keep people out. Gates kind of have two functions, I think. They either are defensive, they want to keep people out, or they're a type of prison, right? Gates lock you in, too. I don't know about you, but whenever I think of hell, or the enemy, I often don't think of defense. I think of offense. I think that it's always always being attacked or being bombarded day in and day out by whatever, guilt, shame, despair, sin, whatever it might be. But Jesus seems to indicate today that we are meant to be on the offensive. We are meant to attack. Hell has built gates, but Peter has keys and authority and a mission to unlock and destroy the gates. In other words, he is to free those who are locked up. Hell has one goal. The enemy, the devil, has one goal. And that is to lock you up. To put you into a cage of fear and despair. To chain you as a slave to your own sin so that you feel trapped like there's no way out. Jesus has come to destroy that cage. Those gates that imprison us. In Mark's gospel, the very first question that's asked to Jesus... Well, do you know what it is? Do you know in Mark's gospel what the very first question that Jesus is asked is? I'd be extremely impressed. This is a hard question. It's actually a demoniac. It's a man who's possessed. So the very first question asked to Jesus is by the devil himself. And that question is, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? The answer to that question is an emphatic yes. Yes. Jesus says, I have come to undo, to demolish, to put an end to the works of the devil and the works of hell. How? By the most bizarre weapon none of us could have thought of it. G.K. Chesterton said that Christianity is the religion of paradoxes, and we see it today. How is Jesus going to destroy, smash the gates of hell? With mercy. And understood correctly, mercy is an incredibly effective weapon. You know, most people, I think, think that the church is hung up on guilt, and that's wrong. The church is not hung up on guilt. Guilt is a reality. You feel guilty when you do wrong things. Deal with it. Deal with it. The church isn't hung up on guilt. The church is hung up on getting rid of guilt. That's why Jesus came. Humans are hung up on guilt. And so often we rationalize our sins so we don't have to deal with the guilt. We find excuses for what we've done to make it not so bad. I remember when I was a young priest and I was given a homily and I was all pumped up, you know, ready to give it. I was going to talk about the intrinsic evil of abortion. And I did. And a woman got up and walked out. And I thought she left, but she didn't leave. She just waited at the back of the church. And as soon as I came out after the recession, she lit me up, boy. I mean, finger in the face, point pushing me in the chest. You're a terrible priest. 
you don't know. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, it was out of control. People just kind of stood around and watched <clears throat> this spectacle. And after she was done, I looked at her and I said, my dear woman, there is absolutely no proportion between what I said in my homily and your reaction, which leads me to conclude that you probably had an abortion and you hate yourself for what you've done and you're taking that anger out on me. And she began just bawling. That was it. She was rationalizing the hidden sin of abortion by attacking me. I was the problem, not her. And this is really important. Why? Because when you begin to challenge people in the area of sin, they're going to get angry. Why? Because you're opening up a wound. And people rationalize so they don't have to deal with the pain of that wound. And try to make it not as bad as it really is. I'm telling you right here, right now, any amount of sin in your life, any amount is incredibly dangerous. I had a parishioner at Spirit of Life after Mass one day, he came up to me, he's like, all you do is preach on sin. And I was like, well, you quit committing sin and I'll quit preaching on it. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the vast majority of pro-choice people have had or know someone that has been affected by abortion. Just like the people I've dealt with that struggle with same-sex attraction, something usually, not always, but usually has happened in their past. Some type of abuse. A psychologist told me one time, it's easier to change the way you think than it is to change the way you act. What do you mean by that? If I participated in abortion, it's much easier for me just to say, well, I'm pro-choice. Than it is for me to actually admit that I murdered my own kid. That I committed an an intrinsic evil. It's way easier just to deny it, to change the way I think. And so that's what we do. We deny sin. We think differently about it because it's easier. And the disorder goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And so then we have to deal with it through psychologists and psychiatrists. But we're not sick. (laughs) We're sinners. We're not patients. We need to be penitents. And the most significant key that Jesus gave to Peter, to the church, to destroy sin and the works of the devil is confession. And here's the problem. According to all studies that I could find in the past week, in the last five years, 45% of Catholics have not been to confession since their first confession. One of these weeks, you're going to look shocked. This is shock value. Half the church, not this church, the universal church, has not been to confession since their first confession. 12% go once a year. What does that mean? It means that either there's a lot of really sick people that are stuck in their own sinfulness, Or the bulk of the church is rationalizing their own sin, saying it's not really as bad as it looks. I hate that when people say that. Oh, I'm not that bad of a guy. I don't need to go to confession. I'm not that bad of a guy. I always say to him, I said, have you ever thought about a woman lustfully? Well, yeah. 
Okay, you're an adulterer according to Jesus. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, small things. Okay, you're a thief. Have you ever lied about anything? Well, I mean, little stuff. So, you're a lying, thieving adulterer. You need some help, buddy. Time for confession. But I think we just rationalize and rationalize and rationalize. The other one that I hate is when people say, and it's usually guys, I don't know why, but they usually say, I'm just shooting for purgatory. Shooting for, I mean, with, I always say to people, I was like, with that mentality, you're going to hell. I can almost guarantee it. Our goal should be perfection. Our goal should be heaven. And so we have over half the church who have never met the God of mercy, of love, and forgiveness. And if you've never met him, you don't know his power. And if you don't know what it means to be a sinner, and to be forgiven, you don't need a savior. And this, what we're doing right here, this mass thing, it's kind of just jumping through a hoop, hoping you're on a sure path to heaven. I get asked often if I ever see miracles. I see a miracle every time a soul is reconciled to God. Slates wiped clean. New life awaits them. Now, you know the story about Teresa of Avila. She was the mother superior of the Carmelites, this order over in Spain. <clears throat> and she would always go to confession first, and then she would wait. She would go down the aisle, and she'd wait for each of the sisters to go through. And as they got through, and they came out, and they'd walk down the aisle, she'd meet them, and she'd put her hands on her shoulders, and she'd look deep into their eyes, and she'd say, Sister... Begin again. Just begin again. I had a guy one time in the airport. We were talking. Catholic guy, good Catholic guy. And he, we got to this point and I was like, well, when's the last time you went to confession? 25 years. 25 years. And I said, well, let's do it right now. Did you know that, by the way? You can have confession anywhere you want. If you see me walking down the street like, Father, I want to go to confession, boom! We can sit on a park bench. I've heard confessions in cars, on boats while I'm fishing. I heard a guy's confession while I was hunting, in airports, on airplanes. People sitting next to me. It can happen anywhere, anytime. You know what he said to me? Classic man response. Oh, Father, you don't have time for my confession. It would take too long. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Sir, I would miss my flight to hear your confession. It's kind of funny. He was a businessman and he's like, you're a closer. <laughs> he's like, you could have made a lot of money in the business world. <laughs> but he went. 25 years. He said to me, he said, I can't believe I waited this long. I can't believe I carried... Like these burdens this long when I could have just been free. And so the first thing I want to do today is I want to plead with the 45% who haven't been to confession since their first confession or a very long time. If you're in that group, the Lord is saying right now, you can be free. You don't have to pretend anymore that everything's okay because it's not. I remember the 1970s, they had that book, You're Okay, I'm Okay. What a joke. <laughs> You're not okay, and I'm not okay. We're broken, man. And the sooner we start understanding that we need a Savior, is the sooner that we will be authentic disciples of Jesus Christ.
But there's one catch. You have to have the humility to admit what you did was wrong. Not glaze over it, not pretend it's not that bad. Just have the humility to admit it was wrong. And to the 12% that go once a year, I beg you to go more often. Every time you go to clean your car, go to confession. Otherwise, it just builds up and builds up and builds up. You see my truck. It's disgusting right now. My soul's clean. My truck's dirty. John Paul II, Mother Teresa, they went to confession once a week. I try to go every two weeks. Why? Because I'm a horrific sinner? No, I mean, I'm kind of a loser, but I want to be perfect. Isn't that what he said? Be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. I want to be canonized. Saint Joshua of Bismarck. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Could have a shrine right here. I mean, I got a long ways to go, but I'm shooting for sainthood, man. And we all should be. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more imperfections you see. Right? Like, if you're, if you're in the dark, you don't see any of the imperfections. As the light kind of gets brighter and brighter, you begin to see them everywhere. No matter how long it's been, just go. Quit putting it off. Quit rationalizing it. Quit making excuses. Do not be afraid. Run to Him for forgiveness. And hear those words that maybe you haven't heard in a long time. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace and begin again.